Shopify presents Cool Sheets from Aha to Lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Thank you, the X's and O's of all things fantasy. <laughs> On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome in for the second edition of the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're going to be talking about the late window of games for week three and all the fantasy analysis and injury reports that come up with that. And I guess we had a pretty good first show because well, we're still here. We didn't get fired in day one. So that's the good news. That's, that's the silver lining moving forward. It was not the silver lining for the Jacksonville Jaguars last night's game, though. So we had the show, what, 12 o'clock to 1.30 yesterday, same time as today. And we wound up about, I want to say, 45 minutes to an hour later. All of a sudden, news came in that DJ Chark was not going to be available in that matchup. He was not going to play. So all of a sudden, everything changed from a fantasy purpose standpoint. And that's a good, good note to bring up. Make sure you're following us at BellyUpMDFF Show on Twitter because we do player news update notifications all throughout the day, every single day. So we will have you up to date on those things. So he goes down, all of a sudden, Keelan Cole is looking at a higher target share than we were expecting. LaVisca Chenault looking at a higher snap share than we were expecting. Figured James Robinson was going to be more involved in the game, and it would have knocked down Gardner Minshew since the last time we talked in the rankings a little bit. Now we update those rankings. We're going to have more updates throughout the weekend. They'll be finalized for you guys by Sunday morning. But you can go to check them out now, bellyupfantasysports.com. And like I said, they'll be updated and ready to go because we have a lot of injuries that will reflect, that will impact those rankings moving forward every, every single day. So this is one of those instances where that happened on the fly. So all of a sudden, Gardner Minshew losing his top target, even in a plus matchup, was not somebody who would have been so high on our list, would have been somebody who would have been so high to stream. So things change on the fly. That's why you have to stay up to date. That's why I encourage you to follow me at Belly of MDFF Show. But for those of you out there who are DJ Chark owners, and maybe you're disappointed by him being out because the early reports that day were for him trending in the right direction. Well, guess what? The one silver line that you can take out of last night's game 
was that boy, they did not look, they did not look like the same offense without DJ Chark than they were with in the first two weeks against better defenses, better teams. The Colts and the Titans, they look pretty good. So even though DJ Chark wasn't getting all this targeted volume that people wanted him to have or expecting to have coming into the season, well, we got to see what Gardner Minshew, what that Jacksonville Jaguars offense looks like in a what should have been a, a matchup that they should have at least been had or at least been able to move the football. And they look like they struggled without having DJ Chark out there because all of a sudden, Keelan Cole, LaVisca Chenault, who's still raw, still developing, they don't have a deep threat that defenses have to worry about when you take DJ Chark out of the equation. You saw that in last night's game with Miami Dolphins. They didn't even have Byron Jones on the, on, on the field last night. But they had no problem with squeezing this Jacksonville team. And the Dolphins played better defense last night than we've seen them play all week. And that has a lot to do with no DJ Chark. So if you're worried about him, you see his importance on the field. You see why they need him. And you see why if you're in a position to go ahead and buy low on Chark moving into week four, do it. Do it immediately. If somebody's still panicking after this, do it. He is going to have big games ahead and he is needed in this offense to be that wide receiver one for this team to continue to be competitive week in and week out. Even if they don't necessarily win the game. So that was my big takeaway from that was that that showed how important DJ Chark was in case people out there were still nervous about him, nervous about the target share he's had up to this point. Now let's talk about the players that are actually on in the game. James Robinson, big game out of him. He did not disappoint. 11 carries, 46 yards, two touchdowns. He would have had more carries, but the game script, of course, was not in his favor once Miami got up. 21 to seven at the half. And I think this is the big takeaway about James Robinson, especially moving forward. Six catches for 83 yards on six targets. So he's the guy. There is no Chris Thompson. He was worked in a little bit in this game. He did wind up with six targets too, but most of it came in that fourth quarter where they just went no huddle and they're like, all right, we're just going to throw Chris Thompson back there. Chris Thompson's not a guy who is a specialized third down passing back in this offense right now. It's not an automatic situation where here comes Chris Thompson, two minute drills. Here comes Chris Thompson and third downs. That's not what's happening. And if James Robinson continues to produce the way he did in the passing attack last night, I don't see why it would start anytime soon. He does a great job of making the first guy miss. He does a great job of bouncing off tackles. He does a great job with really pretty much everything that he's been doing so far. The only thing in his game that I don't see to this point is that he doesn't necessarily have the big play breakaway speed. But he has good balance. He's shown good vision. And he's shown good hands. I talked about it yesterday going into the game that James Robinson was going to be a guy that I think was going to wind up being the pickup of the year. That That case just continues to get stronger. And the Jaguars are going to continue to be a team that will be more competitive than not moving forward. Well, Robinson's going to continue to be an RB2 moving forward as well. Especially in haveable matchups like against the Miami Dolphins in this game. Outside of James Robinson, there wasn't much to talk about. Gardner Minshew without DJ Chark just did not perform on the level that he did the previous two weeks. Had a rough game in this one. A couple bad interceptions, especially one at the end where he just completely threw a completely inaccurate ball and got picked off when he tried to go back shoulder when the receiver was actually on the inside. 
So just a miscue there. But Keelan Cole wasn't really able to take advantage of DJ Chark not being in the lineup as far as a volume standpoint. He only had five targets in this game. Both Chris Thompson and James Robinson were ahead of him in that target department. It was Chris Conley who was the big target monster, I guess, quote-unquote, of the day with eight. But he only turned that into three catch, 34 yards because he's a mediocre receiver at best. LaVisca Chenault had five catches, six targets, but only 33 yards. And he didn't really get involved in the running aspect in this game like he had done previously, which is why I said, hold your horses on LaVisca Chenault. I like him down the road. He's going to keep continuing to get better. But if you're reaching this place where you thought the Chenault belonged in your lineup, I'm telling you right now, you're reaching unless you're in, you know, 14, 16 team leagues. Moving forward, is Minshew going to be a streaming quarterback in certain matchups? Yes. James Robinson is going to be an RB2. But once again, the only receiver I really want to own is DJ Chark. Keelan Cole's just a guy who clearly needs Chark, clearly needs to be the second fiddle because he clearly needs to be in situations where he can have the better matchup against the not top corner of the opposing team in order for him to have his good games or even just decent games. I think a lot of that showed up in this game against the Miami Dolphins last night. So now you take it on the Dolphins side of the ball. Ryan Fitzpatrick was not the streamer, and he would have stayed. He was the guy that we said he could be a streamer for the week. He was not the streamer we were hoping for. He does get two touchdowns, but only 160 yards. But this, this was mostly just due to game script. I expected it to be a kind of a back-and-forth, higher-scoring game. And when the Jacksonville Jaguars offense never really showed up and never put any pressure on the Dolphins team, well, they had no issues just running the football. And they were running the football with Miles Gaskin. I never thought I'd see a day where Gaskin would walk away with 22 carries in the game, but that's exactly what happened. Now, it wasn't efficient. It wasn't pretty. 22 carries for 66 yards. There's only three yards a carry here. They still brought in Jordan Howard at the goal line later on in the game. So that still wasn't going to Miles Gaskin. And he just, you know, he fell in for another touchdown. That's all he's doing, though. He's only had, he only had three carries in this game. Miles Gaskin is the lead guy. It's not even close. I don't even know if it's I don't even know if it's a committee anymore after watching last night's game. In a pro run game script for the Miami Dolphins, which isn't going to happen very often this season. It was Gaskin who they went to they gave the ball to a lot. Matt Breida only had three carries for four yards in this matchup. And as far as the receiving game goes, that was also Gaskin once again. Now, that didn't surprise us. We saw the seven targets last week. He gets five targets in this week. Actually tied the team lead in targets amongst all pass catchers. Devontae Parker was the other guy who had five. Again, not efficient. Five catches, 29 yards for Gaskin there. But he becomes somebody who I guess is going to have to be a not-feel-so-good flex guy. I'm not going to want to depend on a Dolphins running back in, in my starting lineup week to week. But he's a guy who definitely is in a situation now moving forward that you can go ahead and plug and play. Yeah, 100%. If he's going to be the lead guy, and this isn't even going to be a committee with Matt Breed and Jordan Howard anymore, outside of Jordan Howard getting the goal line work, yeah, he's going to have he's going to have flex appeal. He's going to have a safe floor when you talk about half-point, full-point PPR leagues he's the one getting the catches too. I don't get it. I'm, I mean, I'm not in the Dolphins practice, so I don't know what's going on there. But I can't, I just, from the talent of a Jordan Howard, from the talent of a Matt Breida, from what they did this offseason to bring those guys in in the first place to see Miles Gaskin week three being head and shoulders the lead guy. I, I don't understand it. I don't think he's the talent, most talented back there, but clearly 
that's, that's who the coaching staff is going with. So that's what we have to go with as fantasy owners. Parker was a little disappointing in this game. I was hoping for a better turnout given the matchup. But again, unlike the Jaguars, on the flip side, the Dolphins, just they didn't have to throw the ball that much this game. I mean, Fitzpatrick only had 20 attempts. Parker comes in, five catches, 69 yards. Had he gotten a touchdown, would have been a little bit better. But they did target him, want to be a pass interference. It set them up for what wound up being the Jordan Howard touchdown in this game. Better days are ahead for Devontae Parker. The big thing you have to take away is that, once again, he got through another game without re-aggravating the hamstring issue. Now he gets to have 10 days off before they have to play again. So he's going to get healthier and healthier right now as the season's going on. And he's going to keep coming back to be that wide receiver, too, that you drafted him to be. Still five catches, 69 yards in this game. Gives you a decent floor of your half-point, full-point PPR leagues. You are not going to lose this week because of Devontae Parker's performance. Let's put it that way. And I love the fact that he has 10 days off now. Now we might see Parker really fully healthy heading into week four, and that's going to be a big help. Outside of Parker, there really was another pass catcher to be noteworthy of. A lot of people wanted to stream Mike Kosicki uh, going into this week. We had him at tight end 10. He only winds up for one catch for 15 yards. Thankfully, that one catch for 15 yards was a touchdown. That was the first touchdown in the game. Thankfully. <laughs> Otherwise, it wasn't looking too, it didn't look too good for Mike Isicki. He saved your fantasy day on that touchdown. And when it comes to tight ends, all you need is a touchdown to have at least a decent performance. So even though it winds up not getting you into double digits, no matter what scoring format you're in, again, kind of like Devontae Parker, because he scored that touchdown, is you're not going to lose your week because you started Mike Isicki. And just no one really expected a blowout on the Miami Dolphins as far as game shift goes heading into this and heading into this game. And that was just a big reason why some of these guys didn't perform to the level that we were expecting them to. It was nice to see Preston Williams get into the end zone, but Preston Williams, if you have this guy on your team, you're not going to be able to do anything with him right now. But if you have your guy, this guy on your team, unfortunately, I think he's somebody who's welcome to flush town. Prepare to be flushed. He's not getting targeted. He's not the guy. At last year, to this point, for the first week, eight weeks of the season, with the same quarterback, a different offensive scheme, but the same quarterback, he was getting the same amount of targets as Devontae Parker. He was getting split in. He looks healthy. He looks fine. But through the first three weeks of the season, as far as a volume standpoint goes, he's just not involved in this offense right now. So that's something we're going to have to look at going forward. I do think because of his talent, I think because this team will be in more game scripts where they have to come back from behind than not, I think it could lead to Preston Williams getting more involved down the road. But right now, you can't, you can't be clogging up a bench spot with Preston Williams on, on the back end of your roster at the moment. Just can't. That pretty much wraps it up for our Thursday night recap of these guys moving forward. So now we can go ahead and turn around, get into the games that we did not get into in yesterday's show. Like I said, the late window games, the late afternoon games, the Sunday night game, the Monday night game. Later on, of course, just like yesterday, we're going to have the mailbag segment for you and make sure you're up to date on all the injuries from the games that we talked about yesterday and get updated on that heading moving into on Sunday. So we started off with the Jets and we started off with the Colts as far as our coverage goes. The Jets can be summed up real simply when it comes to fantasy football purposes. Don't play them. 
There's literally not a single Jet that needs to be in your lineup this week, period. Jamison Crowder, Brashad Perryman, both just minutes before coming on the show, actually, got ruled out. And Crowder would the only, be the only one that you'd even consider playing. Chris Herndon is not a thing. He's a guy fantasy experts have been trying to push for forever. I have not been on that train because I know what Adam Gase is. I know what that offense is. And Chris Herndon, frankly, is somebody I think has been a little bit overhyped throughout his career, especially in the fantasy industry. He's not a thing. He should be a thing. He's the only guy that I see on that roster, especially heading into this week, that has any talent that should be getting a high workload. But you definitely can't trust it. There's no way. Even against a what should be a great matchup against the Indianapolis Colts with no Malik Hooker, a defense that looks susceptible to Jacksonville. There's no way. You still can't do it. You got to try to ask yourself, well, who's Lamb Darnold most likely to throw the ball to? My answer to that is he's most likely to throw the ball to Adam Gase on the sideline. It's more likely that will happen than getting any of these pass catchers involved in any kind of significant way for fantasy football purposes. So you're not playing a single jet. Plain and simple. So we can move on to the Indianapolis Colts. Now, what should go without saying? Jonathan Taylor, obviously, you're starting him. He's going to be an RB1 more times, not for the rest of the season with Marlon Mack out. And in this matchup, it should be very pro game script for the running game with the Colts. We have Jonathan Taylor's RB4 on the week. He makes our top five. He's a must play, not just for redraft leagues, but he's a guy that I want for if you're coming up and trying to make some DFS lineups. He's the guy that I want in there this week. He had 26 carries last week. Pretty good chance that he gets somewhere close to that number again this week. And it also means there's a good chance Naeem Hines isn't going to be very involved again. Now, should he be more involved than he was last week? Yeah, that was weird. Him only getting one touch. Now, it, it was such, a, such an extreme from week one where Naeem Hines went from somebody being getting two touchdowns, being as evolved as he is, to only getting one touch last week. Now, can you play Naeem Hines this week? No. We have him as RB38. That puts him well outside the flex territory. But do not drop him. The Colts, you know, they, they had a pro-run game script last week. They're going to have a pro-run game script this week. There's going to be matchups where the Colts are going to have to come back from behind where Phil Rivers is going to have to drop back and throw the ball 40-plus times. And they're going to have to run their spread. I call it the Phil Rivers spread offense where the ball only goes about five yards past the line of scrimmage or they're playing jackpot like you used to do in the backyard as kids and he's closing his eyes and throwing the ball straight up in the air hoping somebody on his team comes down with it. That's the only time he throws the ball more than five or ten yards past the line of scrimmage, it seems like at this point because he's got a noodle arm. Plain and simple. So better days are ahead for Naeem Hines, especially when you're talking about half point, full point PPR points. It's not going to be this week, though, because it's just the game script's not going to be in favor for Naeem Hines to play a ton. It's plain and simple. So that brings us to T.Y. Hilton. Now, T.Y. Hilton is a bit of an animal here. Again, it's pro game script, so we do expect there to not be too many. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Phil Rivers only threw the ball between 20, 25 times in this matchup. And that brings us to T.Y. Hilton wind up being a wide receiver 38, even though it's a great matchup for the Jets against the Jets. However, I have to say, if you're the T.Y. Hilton owner and you feel like you can't play him against the New York Jets, I don't know who you're going to play T.Y. Hilton against this season. 
Who are you going to feel comfortable playing him against if you don't play him against the Jets? So while I have him ranked at wide receiver 38, and he's not a must-star for me based off of that ranking, I will say to you, the fantasy owner who has T.Y. Hilton, I would be okay playing with playing him if I'm you. Because, like I said, if you can't play him against the Jets, I don't know who you're going to play him against. You have to play him against the Jets. You have to hope he gets a touchdown, hope he gets at least 70 to 80 yards with that touchdown. And then you got to turn around and sell him for whatever you can. I know Paris Campbell is gone, so I know that's supposed to be relinquishing some targets in theory. But this team's going to be built around Jonathan Taylor moving forward, and I've talked about this a ton. Maybe it changes a little bit with Campbell being out, but my big thing is that if T.Y. Hilton was not going to be the slot wide receiver, he was not going to be Phillip Rivers' Keenan Allen then. He's going to turn into Mike Williams. And we all know how disappointing Mike Williams was from a fantasy standpoint last year. That's who T.Y. Hilton's turning into. It's not Michael Pittman turning into that role. It's T.Y. Hilton. And even last week, like I said, it was, you know, they didn't have to throw the ball very much. But even then, with, with Campbell coming out of the game, Hilton still didn't play the slot very much. It was Zach Paschal with Pittman on the outside. If that continues, I just don't see a path where Hilton's going to have a floor that's going to make you comfortable playing him. He's going to, come a, he's going to become, at best, a boomer bust option moving forward. That's just where we're at at this point with Philip Rivers' career. I can't trust him to get the outside receiver the ball consistently. So I think you got to play T.L.A. Hilton this week. I think you got to hope he scores, and I think you got to hope that you can sell him off for a legit, maybe package him with something for a legitimate wide receiver too moving forward. As far as any injury news in this matchup, we talked about Crowder. We talked about Prashad Perryman on the cold side of the ball. Jack Doyle, he did come back and practice in a limited capacity. He's expected to be a game-time decision. Myself, and I think almost every other fantasy owner, expert out there, I think I can speak for all of them when we say, keep Jack Doyle out. Let Mo Alley Cox be a thing. Let him take over. It is finally time for the Mo Alley Cox monster dream to be realized. It's time. The guy had five catches for over 100 yards in last week's matchup. He's an absolute athletic freak, an absolute monster. And as me and several others have been waiting for this for the last couple of years, waiting for the chance that he was going to have to finally be able to break out and play a significant amount. With Jack Doyle gone last week, he finally got to do that, and he finally got to show what it is that he can do. You want to talk about tight ends for the future who might be in the top five? For fantasy football purposes, dynasty, redraft, however, whatever format you play in, this is the guy. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'll touch on that. If you're in Dynasty Leagues, whatever you got to do to get Mo Alley Cox on your team, especially if you need a tight end, figure out a way to do it. Get him before it's too late because he's going to blow up if he continues to get the opportunity to play. So I speak for our behalf on the fantasy industry when I say let Jack Doyle sit this week and let Mo Alley Cox be a thing. Plain and simple. So you're not going to have Paris Campbell. You need weapons. You need playmakers. You need guys that Phil Rivers can actually reach. And he's so big, when Phil Rivers does his little jackpot deep ball throw, it's actually more likely he's the guy who's going to be coming up with it. So he might be able to get away with it. He's a much better athlete, a much better natural receiver than Jack Doyle. His blocking skills have come a long way. They still have a long way to go, but they've come a long way to the point now where I think it's time that Mo Alley Cox be a thing. So I speak for everyone. Let Jack Doyle sit. If Jack Doyle does sit, Mo Alley Cox is tight end 12 for us this week. So when you're a 12 man leagues, he's a, he's a, you know, a borderline tight end one. And he's going to be one of my favorite plays to do in DFS this upcoming week, without a doubt. So please, I beg you, I beg you, Frank Reich, let Mo Alley Cox be a thing. So we're going to move on. We're going to move on to the Panthers. We're going to move on to the Chargers game this week. Both of these teams, there's, I mean, there's a lot of questions, right? Tyrod Taylor, we don't know when he's coming back. It might, he was advised that it would be indefinitely. We still haven't gotten a determination exactly if he is going to miss the rest of the season. But what we do know is that for week three, Justin Herbert will be the starting quarterback. Now, he was impressive for a rookie against, a, against the defending Super Bowl champs in a game in which he did not practice with the first team because he was not expected to play found out minutes before the game that he had to play. And they, here's what I will say about the Chargers. They stayed aggressive. They did not fall back into their shells when they found out that Justin Herbert was going to have to be the guy to lead them down the field. They stayed aggressive in an attack mode against that Kansas City team. If they continue to do that just from a play caller standpoint, regardless of who the quarterback is, they'll do a lot better because they were not in attack mode against the Bengals with Tyrod Taylor. Now, I don't know if that was the difference or if it was just week one against the Bengals and the Chargers felt like they could play a simplified offense and still win that game. Maybe they didn't want to show the Chiefs everything on tape of what they had in their arsenal. And maybe this was just part of the game plan. But here's what I can say is that I'm not a big Justin Herbert fan. I know what he is from Oregon. He's not a guy who's consistently accurate. He was a guy who consistently broke down in pressure. I saw none of the weaknesses I saw on tape from him coming out of college. Saw none of those weaknesses this past Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. None of those weaknesses. He was composed that entire game. I've never seen Justin Herbert actually be composed when playing against a better opponent. He was more accurate than I had ever seen him. I have to give him credit. Now, it's one game, and I haven't totally changed my opinion on him in one game. But for fantasy football purposes, I guess the Carolina Panthers, I think he's interesting from a DFS standpoint. Now, I do think the Chargers are going to come in this game and their game plan is going to be to run, 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 run. Because I think that's all they have to do. 
with no Christian McCaffrey and that Chargers defense. I don't see a path in where the Panthers are going to put enough pressure on the Chargers where they're going to have to drop back and throw the ball 30-plus times in this game. So I think he does have a limit to his ceiling in that sense. Because I think we're going to see a lot of Austin Eckler, and we're going to see a lot of Joshua Kelly. And this is one of the few teams out there, and I think maybe the Browns are really the only other team I could think of, that you can not only start both of these running backs, both Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly, they are both must-starts. Austin Eckler comes in as our number seven running back on the week, and Joshua Kelly comes in as our number 14 running back on the week. Part of that has to do with matchup. The other part of it is that against Kansas City, both of these guys almost had 20 carries. Joshua Kelly had 23. Austin Eckler had 18. The week before that, Austin Eckler had 19 carries. Joshua Kelly had 12. This is a run-first team. This team is going to be up there with the San Francisco 49ers. They're going to be up there with the Baltimore Ravens as far as the most run-attempted teams out there. They're going to be right there with those two teams by the end of the year. That's what their offensive game plan is for this season. They're going to lean on that running game. And Justin Herbert does a couple of things for this team. One, he opens up the passing game again for Austin Eckler because he does like to dump it from the running backs. Remember, he's coming from that Oregon system, which is still a version of the old Chip Kelly system. Not the exact clone, but is a version of it where they are built around checking it down to the running backs and hitting the slot wide receivers. So that passing game for Austin Eckler does return with Justin Herbert in the lineup. which has to, And that was what propels him to be in the RB1 discussion in the top 10. It also opens up the door for Keenan Allen to get back on track after his abysmal week one of really not being involved in the game plan. Something I expected under Tyrod Taylor is why Keenan Allen is one of my best wide receivers on the year, thinking that Taylor was going to be starting for most of it. And I thought that was going to be a byproduct of that. Well, now that might not be the case. It just, I mean, frankly, after that game against Kansas City, I don't know how you go back to Tyrod Taylor, no matter what happens. But even with this injury now, you may not even have the option at any point this season. We don't know yet. But Keenan Allen, it becomes our wide receiver seven this week because he's going to get targeted. Even if they only throw the ball 25 times, 28 times in this game, Keenan Allen's going to be the lead targeted guy. And as long as he's getting a good enough volume, he's going to have a good enough floor. And then we combine that with the matchup with the Carolina Panthers. He becomes a top 10 wide receiver. He might even wind up in our top five. If Devontae Adams and Julio Jones, both guys we're going to get you updated on, talk about in a little bit, can't go. And that's a possibility. So he might even get, be getting pushed further up our rankings, further up our wide receiver one chain. If those guys are going to be out. Which brings us to Mike Williams. This goes back to last year with Philip Rivers. Mike Williams becomes wide receiver 48. Now, he wasn't involved much against Kansas City Chiefs. Some of that was to do with the game script. But some of that is also the quarterback that you're dealing with. I think we're dealing with a young version of Philip Rivers. I think that's what we're doing, dealing with with Justin Herbert, frankly, as far as how the offense is going to work at the very least which means not a lot of target for Mike Williams. So in this matchup, can he hit that one big play? Yes, he can. Which is why I don't mind him for DFS purposes if he's priced right. But for redraft, his floor is literally zero. That's his floor. Literally zero. So that's what I would worry about 
because if it's a game in which they don't throw the ball that much, Mike Williams might walk away with four targets on the game for one catch for 15 yards. And I would be worried about that happening in this game. So I'm not going to be playing Mike Williams. There are definitely better options out there with much higher floors out there for your lineups this week. He's purely a boomer bust threat. The guy we do like in the top 10, though, for the tight end position is Hunter Henry. Again, kind of similar thing to Keenan Allen. Justin Herbert likes to attack that middle part of the field. So that's the slot receiver. That's the tight end and the running back. So Hunter Henry falls into that mix. He's the one guy that whether it's Tyrod Taylor or whether it's Justin Herbert, he's the one guy in this offense that was completely safe. And his fantasy value, frankly, doesn't change one way or another. Because both Taylor and Herbert are like to target the tight end when the opportunity presents itself. So he's that one safe guy that I don't think the quarterback changes anything for him from a fantasy perspective. And we like him as a tight end one. We got him as a must play. I know that the tight end statistically for the first two weeks hasn't been lighting up Carolina. That has more to do with the fact that the wide receivers have been lighting them up so much, that the running backs have been lighting up so much that the tight end's been kind of getting left out. The Chargers are a team that they feature the tight end within their offense, so that wouldn't happen in their situation. It's not like the Carolina Panthers have anybody that takes away the tight end. Their defense isn't built to cover the tight end. They're not a bad matchup in that sense. That's where you kind of that's where you have to remind yourself that we're still only about to be three games into the season. And that we still have such a small sample size when it comes to 2020. There's still a lot we don't know about these teams and these matchups and these defenses in certain situations. This would be one of them. Because I had this argument with somebody earlier on uh, yesterday, like, well, the Panthers have been really good against the tight ends. Like, no, the tight ends haven't been targeted in the two teams that they played. They're not really as big a part of the offenses, especially in the Chargers situation. So we'll see a difference here in this matchup. So we'll move on. Thankfully, in that matchup, too, we didn't have too many injuries to go over. I'll just mention, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) We can't move on yet. Didn't talk about the Carolina Panthers. Duh. We're talking about injuries. Like, yeah, there's not too many injuries for the Chargers, but what about the Panthers? Christian McCaffrey, four to six weeks on the IR, minimum of three weeks out. So what do you do about Mike Davis? What's Mike Davis's value? Mike Davis's value is running back 18 for us on the week. Don't love the matchup, obviously. But in his situation, he might have so much volume. And you know he's going to be involved in the passing down work because even for a big running back, and he wouldn't, you know, looking at him, it wouldn't make you think, oh, Mike Davis, yeah, passer, pass catcher. But last week, seven catches. He's the guy. He's going to get the volume. And anytime a running back is in a situation where they are going to get the bell cow type of workload, they're going to have a floor. They're going to have fantasy value. So even in a bad matchup here, Mike Davis is still a low-end RB2 for us. There's still a decent chance he could fall into the end zone. He's still going to be the goal line back. Mike Davis is going to be a must-play until Christian McCaffrey comes back. Plain and simple. He'll be an RB2 until Christian McCaffrey comes back just based on pure volume and the way this offense works. The real question is going to be, what can you do in the passing attack going up against a Chargers team that really held everyone in check until late in that game? Remember, second half, Patrick Holmes wasn't playing very well. Travis Kelsey was the only player that really had been involved consistently throughout that game. But Tyreek Hill literally had zero catches until all of a sudden he lit him up in the second half. 
because the Chiefs are just that good. But that defense showed that they can compete with the best offense in the NFL. So what does that mean for the Panthers passing attack? Well, first of all, it means you can't play Teddy Bridgewater. There's going to be games in the future that he is definitely going to be one of our top streaming guys, but this ain't one of them. He's going to come. He's going to be our QB 28 for this week. You can't play Teddy Bridgewater. What do you do about DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson? That really becomes the question here. DJ Moore comes in as our wide receiver 41. Remember the chargers have Chris Harris. They have the best slot corner in the NFL and has been for some time. That's who DJ Moore is going to see the most in this matchup. The one guy that I think you can play if you have to, I'm not going to feel great about it, but Robbie Anderson, he does come in at wide receiver 23 for us this week. He does come in as a low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three type, mostly due to his big play ability. You saw Tyree kill. Eventually he took enough shots and he was able to get one. It's still not a great matchup for Anderson. He's still going to have a low floor in this game, but he's gotten double digit targets each of the first two weeks. I expect the Panthers to have to come back from behind. I expect them to have to throw the ball a ton in the second half. So I expect him getting close to that number of targets to continue in this matchup. With Robbie Anderson, it only takes one play. So that's why I am more of a higher ceiling. That's why I'm more okay, I should say, playing him as a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three over DJ Moore because he's not going to see Chris Harris. He's going to be the guy that they need to move the ball down the field to take shots to. So that's why I think you can play him. But again, keep in mind in this game, you have to temper expectations and you have to realize that his floor is it's pretty close to the bottom because his defense. So just with caution, but you can play him in this game. Now we can move on past this matchup. We can move on now to Tampa Bay. We can move on now to Denver. What do you do with Tom Brady? I think you got to keep him. I think you have to keep him. Keep in mind, with Tom Brady, we have not seen this offense actually have all of its weapons healthy. I know they all played in week one, but Mike Evans was definitely limited, definitely hindered by that hamstring injury against the Saints. And then week two, Chris Godwin goes down. He doesn't play because he had a concussion show up late. Evans is healthy. Godwin's back. And if last week was any indication, it looks as though, it looks as though Leonard Fournette has taken over the job. Once Ronald Jones fumbled, that was it. It was all Leonard Fournette's backfield. I went back and watched that game. I wanted to see, like, was it, you know, did Leonard Fournette just get hot? Was it a hot hand thing? Or did it look like he usurped Ronald Jones? It looked like after that fumble, he usurped, usurped John, Ronald Jones. That's what it looked like to me. I still think Jones is going to be involved, though, in this offense. I don't think Leonard Fournette starting this week is going to be the guy getting 20 carries and all the receptions. I do think that day is going to come. But I would caution against being I would caution against being overly confident that's definitely going to be this week. Now, I do think Leonard Fournette belongs in your lineups. I got him at RB20 on the week, so I have him as a low-end RB2, high-end flex play. He definitely belongs in your lineups. There's a Denver team that gave up a good amount of yardage and a touchdown to James Conner last week against a team that has just as bad, if not worse, of an offensive line than Tampa Bay does. So this isn't a matchup that scares you off of it. It's a banged-up Denver defense, plain and simple. 
with a really banged up secondary. So that's why I think Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, they'll be fine. We have Evans coming in wide receiver 21, low end wide receiver two. We have Chris Godwin's at wide receiver 11. So a low end wide receiver one. So you definitely, not that you weren't going to, but you can definitely play them with confidence in this game with a banged up Denver team. Brady, you just, I don't think you can play him this week. We have him as QB 26. We got to see him with all of his weapons. We got to see him get aggressive. Now, I don't think he has fallen off the cliff. Like, let's say a Philip Rivers. Let's say a Drew Brees, especially after that Monday night game. I don't think he's fallen off the cliff, even though he's looked a little rusty. I think he's taking more time than maybe people realize he was going to need to adjust to a new situation. But again, like I said, you got to keep him. Now, do I want to play him this week? No, I would try to make an effort to play a different quarterback this upcoming week. There are a lot of other guys there who are in streaming territory who have much better matchups and much better situations heading into week three. But I don't necessarily want to drop Tom Brady if you can help it. Now, if you're sitting there with a roster that you have no one else you can drop for a different quarterback this week, then I'm okay with it. But I think better days are ahead for him moving forward as he gets more acclimated to this offense and this new situation, builds chemistry with these guys moving forward. I'm not ready to just drop him yet if you don't have to. Ronald Jones, obviously you can't play him. He comes in at RB 47 for us on the week, but that's some, that's a situation we're going to watch. Is this, is it Leonard Fournette time all the way, or is this going to be a committee that now leans towards Leonard Fournette and we're still maybe another week or two away from it truly being Leonard Fournette's backfield. It's going to happen because he's the better pass catching back, not playing a tight end. OJ Howard just has such a low floor, especially when both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are on the field. There's just not a trusted. There's not a floor, a, not a consistent target share in store for the tight end within this offense when both of those wide receivers are on the field. There's just not. I know it's Tom Brady. I know he has a history of being able to utilize the tight end. But I don't know if that's necessarily this offseason, this situation. As far as that tight end he used to utilize, Rob Gronkowski, I got to imagine, I'm not even going to hit the flush button for him because I got to imagine everybody and their mother dropped him after last week. I can't believe the, the Bucks are doing the exact opposite of what I, and I think a lot of other people thought that they were going to do when it came to Rob Gronkowski. I did not believe for a second that he came back to football to be a blocker. I thought if anything, it was going to be the other way around. I thought they were going to not try to put him in blocking situations too much to save his body and utilize him more as a red zone threat, as a pass catcher who already has chemistry with Tom Brady. That's what I thought they were going to do. It's been the exact opposite. O.J. Howard is the guy who's being targeted. Rob Gronkowski is blocking. I know he's always been a great blocker, but at this point in his career, coming off the series back injury that he had, I didn't think that was the reason they wanted to bring him back. We'll see if that changes throughout the season, but until then, there's no reason to own Rob Gronkowski, especially when O.J. Howard's not even a must-play in his own right. Very, just very strained what's going on in that situation. We move on to Denver Broncos and, you know, with them, it's going to be, eh, not so many guys you can really go with for, for this matchup. First of all, Tampa Bay's defense is for real. They are playing really well. And they are buying into that Todd Bowles aggressive exotic blitz scheme system. They are buying into that. And the fact that Davis 
their corner on the perimeter is turning into possibly the next shutdown guy. Who? Who? And that's why I said, you know, wait on Tom Brady because this Tampa Bay team might be more scary than I thought because this defense took another step this offseason that I didn't know they were going to be able to take with this shortened offseason. That young talent's coming to play, and they've already been a strong front seven to begin with. The question was their secondary. I mean, they're not, they're not the Steelers, but they're pretty good, especially for a team with the Denver Broncos who are going to have to come into this game with a backup quarterback in Jeff Driscoll. Their rookie wide receiver leading the way because Cortland Sutton's gone for the year. It's not a good situation for Denver. And I think Tampa Bay's defense is going to be able to eat in this one. So that leads into who do you play for Denver? I think you have to play Melvin Gordon. I don't love it. We have him as RB21. We have him as a low-end RB2. But Philip Lindsay's going to miss this game again. He's going to be out. He hasn't practiced. So again, it becomes a situation where the running back has a bell cow role and therefore has a floor when it comes to fantasy football purposes. There's no reason why Melvin Gordon doesn't touch the ball 20 times in this game, whether it's on the ground or catching the ball. So he comes in RB21. We don't love the matchup because he could have a very low floor because if he doesn't see the end zone, it might not be pretty. But you have to play him. The other guy you have to play is Noah Fant. He's our tight end sixth. He did it against Pittsburgh last week. They're going to have to lean on him. I don't think it's necessarily automatic that Jerry Judy is going to be the lead target of guy with Cortland Sutton gone. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think a real argument can be made that Noah Fant might wind up being the most targeted player on this team, at least for the next couple of weeks. Because he's the veteran, he's the veteran pass catcher now. It's Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. It's two rookie wide receivers. The veteran pass catcher down the field is Noah Fant at the moment. And being that he's been able to do it with both Drew Locke and Jeff Driscoll so far, and he's done it against what I think is the best defense in the NFL in the Pittsburgh Steelers last week, where he scored a touchdown and had a good game. You have to play him. And we play him as a tight end six. We feel confident in playing him as a tight end one this week. Now, what do you, can you play Jerry Judy? Can you play KJ Hamler? In redra- and 10 to 12 team league redraft leagues, I don't believe that you can. Or I don't believe that you have to when it comes to KJ Hamler, I should say. Jerry Judy, I see the temptation. I know everyone kind of looks at that as the volume. Don't love the matchup for him. And it's Jeff Driscoll. He's still a rookie who has now been the number one. Is a target? Is he going to get a good amount of targets? Is he going to have a floor when it comes to that? Yeah, I don't see any reason why he doesn't get less than eight targets in this game. But I don't think you can trust it. Better days will be ahead. I think Judy needs to be owned. I think KJ Hamler needs to be owned. Hamler's a guy who has big play potential. He's going to be leaned on to take shots to, especially once Drew Locke comes back. 
So I think these guys need to be on your benches. But I have to imagine you're going to have better options available to you this week. Unless your team that has, you know, both. Unless your team that has Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, and has like a, a combination of two of those three. I don't see how you'd be in a situation where you have to play Jerry Judy. There should be better options to you. But there will be games ahead you're going to be able to play these guys. Just, meh, maybe not this week. And Judy, he's actually limited right now anyway. I almost forgot about this. He, he has, he's limited in practice because of a rib injury. Now he's expected to play. But he's also going to be a little nicked up heading into this matchup. We got to go to a quick break. When we come back, we are going to have the previews for the Detroit Lions. We're going to have the previews for the Arizona Cardinals, Seattle Seahawks, Green Bay Packers, New Orleans Saints, Kansas City Chiefs, and the Baltimore Ravens. And then we'll take another quick break, come back. We'll update you on the injuries, and we're going to get you to that mailbag segment. Remember, the mailbag segment, you can always contact us on social media at Show, or you can call the MD Nation hotline anytime, day or night, 609-362-2480. Leave a voicemail, leave a comment, your rant, question, whatever it is. We're going to help you out. We're going to get your fantasy teams rolling. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back with the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Remember... The best way to listen to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network and the MD's Fantasy Football Show and all the great content that's available here, because there's a lot, download the app on Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network, or on iOS, WWSRN. Best way to be able to listen to this show moving forward, because we're, we're here to stay, baby. We love it here. We aren't going anywhere. And we're always going to be here to be bringing you the best fantasy advice out there and that's what we have more to go over now. As we're getting through the late window of games, we're getting through the Sunday night game, the Monday night game upcoming. Like I said, we still have a mailbag segment for you guys coming up too. We always give back to the fans. That's what this show is all about. It's what fantasy football is all about. It's about building a community of people who want to win championships. And for me, it's not about the money. It's not about the trophy. It's about being able to hold it over my friend's head for an entire year that I'm the champion. And that's what I want everyone who's listening to this show or watching this show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network to have that feeling, especially after this year, after 2020, to finally have something to be able to hold over someone else. No, I know that sounds bad. But when it comes to your friends, it's expected. That's what it's all about for me. The money's nice. The trophies are nice. Telling everybody that I'm the best, that's priceless. And that leads us into the Detroit game, the Arizona Cardinal game. The fantasy impacts of this game, this might be an ugly one. I wouldn't be surprised if this was one of the uglier scoring games that we will see for week three. Because it's going to be one of those that Detroit do enough to really put enough pressure on the Cardinals offense to have to stay aggressive for four quarters. Or do the Cardinals do what they did to Washington last week? Get up on them early and just kind of toy with them, kind of run out the clock in the second half of this game. I think that's going to depend. Now, here's the good news for Detroit. Kenny Galladay is back. 
He's practicing in a limited capacity, but every indication is that Kenny Galladay is a full go for Sunday. So he's got to get back in your lineups. Now, temper your expectations. We have him at wide receiver 26, which means he's just outside of our wide receiver two territory. He's more of a high-end wide receiver three. He's going to get closer to that low-end wide receiver one territory as we move throughout the season. The reason he comes in at wide receiver 26 is, one, it's the first game back from his hamstring issue. And even though we feel pretty confident that he's actually going to be pretty healthy in this game because Detroit actually did play it safe when it came to his situation, still a tough matchup. Patrick Peterson, Byron Murphy. No one seems to be talking about it because everyone's talking about Kyler Murray, but this is a team that has one of the better duos at the cornerback position, which is really giving a lot of teams fits. Now, we really haven't been able to see it on full display because they played the 49ers who had none of their starting actual receivers in that game. And then they played Washington, who only has one legitimate starting receiver in that game, Terry McLaurin, who actually wound up still having a really good game mostly because I think Washington has no choice but to throw Terry McLaurin the ball 150 times a game, though, too. Detroit does. Now, Kenny Galladay coming back, he makes a lot of things fall back into place. Marvin Jones is a much better complement receiver than he is being the lead guy. I think these last two weeks had to show you that because he was a guy kept coming in as somebody who was a must-star for us, was a high-end wide receiver, too. He's going to get volume. He got the volume. But other than getting the touchdown last week, he really didn't produce the results that you were hoping for that you needed, that you were counting on. He is a much better complement wide receiver. Is he a must play in this game? No. Again, like I said, this is one of the topper, top end duo corners in the league. But am I fine with him playing as a low end wide receiver three, especially if you're a team who's nicked up by injury, which you very well could be heading into this matchup? Yeah, I'm okay with him there. I'm okay if he has to play in your flex. Because the thing about Marvin Jones is that he could have games and he can go for stretches where he just doesn't seem that involved, where he's getting four catches for 23 yards like he did last week. But he also has those games where he'll get two to three touchdowns in one matchup and just win you the whole thing on his own. Those games normally come with Kenny Galladay on the field when teams have to pay attention to him in the red zone. So because he has that ceiling, Marvin Jones is okay to play as a boomer bust option in the wide receiver three if you don't have a better option. But Kenny Galladay is the only must start for us because he's Kenny Galladay. He's one of the most, I think, underrated star receivers of the NFL, quite frankly. Does that mean he could play Matthew Stafford? I think you have better options. He just hasn't looked right. Now, with Galladay coming back, maybe that changes things. Maybe he's able to get going again. Maybe he's looking, he starts to look like this Matthew Stafford from a season ago. But it's looked more than that to me when watching these games, when watching Stafford so far this year. He looks a little rusty still. It's not something that I think is going to stay with him all season. I don't think he's fallen off. So I don't think I have to worry about that. But for this matchup, I only have him at QB 25. There's a lot of quarterbacks that I like this week. Stafford's not necessarily one of them. Let me see a game with Kenny Galladay back in the lineup. Let me see how, how Stafford looks in that situation. Let me see Detroit on the road. I think you should have better options in this game than Matthew Stafford. And when it comes to Detroit running back, I really don't want to play one. I really don't. If you can help it, don't, please. Ugh, it's brutal. 
I mean, we thought after week one, being that Adrian Peterson looked immensely superior to carry on Johnson. That was it for carry on. He was going to be the odd man out. We knew DeAndre Swift would bounce back after week one and week two. We knew he was going to keep that passing down role. He's their future. They're not going to give up on him after one week, after one bad drop. And he was back. He had six catches last week. He's going to continue in that role and he'll build from there. He'll get more carries as the season wears on. But right now he's the passing down guy. That's why if I have to play one, it's DeAndre Swift for me. Especially when you're talking about half point and full point PPR, which is half points what we talk about when we talk about where they have, we have these guys ranked on the show. Remember, you can go to bellyupfantasysports.com to check out our rankings for both standard and full point PPR leagues as well. But DeAndre Swift comes in at RB31 for us heading into this matchup. I don't want to play him. He doesn't necessarily have guaranteed touchdown production. So you're pretty much, you're hoping for a performance kind of like you got last week. You're hoping for five catches for 50 or 60 yards. Because all of a sudden, on Johnson didn't go away in week two. And he's only had seven carries, 32 yards. He wasn't impressive. Adrian Peterson, again, was the better running back. But they still let on Johnson almost split the snap share with Adrian Peterson, and they let him get the goal line carry. And he wound up with a touchdown. It's a three-way committee. It's a mess. And it's a three-way committee that's not even a great rushing attack. It's Detroit. It's a terrible defense. There are going to be more game scripts where they have to throw the ball and come back from behind than they are going to be leading the way. So if I, I can help it, I'm not going to play Detroit running back. If I have to play one, it would be DeAndre Swift because he does have a floor that comes with that receiving role. Now, you go to... Cardinal side of the ball. And you have the, you have your big three. You have Kyler Murray, you have Kenyon Drake, you have DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, you're playing all three of them. I think where I'm going to surprise some people is I have Kenyon Drake as my RB3 on the week. My number three running back overall on the week. I love the volume he's been getting. I know he hasn't had his big game yet to this point. It's coming. This Detroit matchup at home in Arizona, is the perfect matchup for Kenyon Drake, who received 22 carries last week, to in a bell cow role so far this season, to go off and have his big game. The Cardinals' offensive line, although banged up, shouldn't have too many problems against this Detroit front. I think Kenyon Drake is going to gash them. I think he's in for a big week. RB3 on the week in this matchup a guy who's getting tons of volume. And when you have a week where you don't have Christian McCaffrey, you don't have Saquon Barkley, you don't have Raheem Mostert, Kenyon Drake's a guy who's going to be an RB1 more times than not moving forward. And I have him as a big-time RB3 this week. So play Kenyon Drake with a ton of confidence. I have DeAndre Hopkins as the wide receiver one. Again, probably, possibly, no Devontae Adams, possibly no Julio Jones, definitely no Michael Thomas. DeAndre Hopkins winds up being the last elite superstar wide receiver left in a great matchup. He's been getting targeted head and shoulders ahead of Larry Fitzgerald, ahead of Christian Kirk. Kyler Murray, is he's doing the Deshaun Watson thing. He's dropping back, and he's just, where's DeAndre Hopkins? And that's where I'm going with the football. Double-digit targets the first two weeks in a row. 
you, his floor is higher than pretty much all the other wide receivers and ceilings heading into this matchup. So yeah, not that we needed to make a case for him, but DeAndre Hopkins is our number one wide receiver on the week. And Kyler Murray is a number six quarterback. This might be a game that he doesn't actually have to use his legs though. Because remember the first two weeks has been against the 49ers, against Washington, two heavy pass rushing teams. He's actually had to run for his life a little bit. Because that offensive line is still suspect when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals. So we actually might see him get it done through the air this week and not as much rushing, but we always know that's going to be there and offer him the floor. And that's why we have him as a QB six on the week as well. Not playing anybody outside of that, not playing Larry Fitzgerald, not playing Christian Kirk, not playing Dan Arnold. Tight end still isn't really involved in this offense. You play your big three and you play him with a big smile on your face going up against the Detroit Lions. So we can move on to a game that we expect to be a back and forth, that we expect to be a shootout on the week. That game is the Dallas Cowboys and the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott are our QB one and two overall on the week. So yeah, we are expecting this to be a shootout. Russell Wilson, number one, Prescott, number two, just to be clear. We'll start on Dallas side of ball. Ezekiel Elliott, RB one of the week. Got to love it against Seattle. This is not the same Seattle team. And if Bobby Wagner can't go, I don't, I don't think they have anybody who can really stop the run outside of Jamal Adams. You're going to be depending on your safety, your box safety to be able to stop the run there. Zeke's going to have a big game. And he's been so involved in the passing game. So I think that's really been the great thing about Zeke Elliott through the first two weeks is that his floor is much higher than I think it ever was. And it was always pretty high, of course. But he's really an integral part of this passing attack. And that's saying a lot when you have Mari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, and now possibly new upcoming superstar at the tight end position, Dalton Schultz. So, yeah. Cooper's our number five receiver on the week. We talked about this before. Talk about it again. I love the fact that Amari Cooper gets to pretty much line up wherever he wants to. I love the fact that they move him around. I love the fact that he gets to play in the slot He's never going to be matched up on the other opposing teams' top corner. Never. With Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb being able to put them on the perimeter the way they are, all three of these guys, you could rotate all three of these guys in any of these positions. With Amari Cooper being the $20 million man, they have to make an emphasis to make him the number one wide receiver, and they've done that through the first two weeks. He's never going to be matched up on the other team's top corner. And this is Seattle secondary. Outside of Adams, it doesn't really scare you to begin with. So I expect a big game out of Amari Cooper. The question really becomes Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb. Are you playing both of them? Which one are you playing over the other one? For us, it's C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb comes in as our wide receiver 25 this week. So just outside the wide receiver two territory, but a top end wide receiver three, a top end flex play. He's been consistent through the first two weeks. He's been more involved than Michael Gallup as far as the target share go. Michael Gallup might wind up being the odd man out, not because he's not good, not because his offense isn't going to have high volume where all three of these guys are going to be able to eat in matchups because they will. But he might wind up being the odd man out because it seems like Michael Gallup is the guy who's getting relegated to being matched up against the opposing team's top corner, unlike Cooper, unlike CeeDee Lamb. So Michael Gallup's kind of getting thrown to the wolves a little bit. That's why he's not a must-star for us in this game. 
He's wide receiver 39. Now, he definitely has flex potential. And I like what his ceiling could be in this matchup. So he's definitely somebody that I would contemplate depending on what my options are possibly being in my lineup. Because again, like I said, I think this is going to be a shootout. So there's going to be enough for everybody to eat. But if Dalton Schultz is also going to get involved and Stephen Lamb and Cooper are getting the better matches or matchups in the, against the corners, that's kind of why Michael Gallup's gotten left out the first two weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened again this week against Seattle. So that's why he's the one wide receiver. He's the one pass catcher on Dallas. It's just not a must start for me. But he still has a good ceiling going into this game because he is immensely talented. And the targets very easily could go his way, maybe not see the lambs for this upcoming week. It's fluid in that sense. I wouldn't be afraid to play Gallup, depending on what my options are. So I just want to make that very, very clear. But if you're asking me who am I going with, I'm going with C.D. Lamb. He's looked very good. He looked very dynamic. He looks every bit of the superstar that we thought he was going to be coming out of college. And because he's already asserted himself as one of the top guys in this offenses and commanding targets, I feel pretty safe about him moving forward. And I'm playing him in my lineup this week. Dalton Schultz. So this is another instance where the ranking doesn't necessarily reflect the fantasy value. And what I mean by that is Dalton Schultz comes in as our tight end 20. That sounds like normal circumstances. That's a tight end. We're telling you not to play. Not what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is that there's a lot of really good tight ends this year. It is a strength position. Where in years past, it was, you know, you get top two, top three guys, and outside of that, it was a crapshoot. That's not the case this year. There's a lot of good tight ends and a lot of good situations where they have the opportunity to be able to perform and command a certain amount of targets, command red zone capabilities. So we really like that aspect of it. With this game, Dalton Schultz is still somebody that you very much should have picked up and can stream, even though we have him at tight end 20. The difference between our tight end 20 and our tight end 11 is literally one point. Those stretch of nine guys are only separated by within a point of each other when it came to our projections. And that's why it winds up, he winds up being at, at 20. But literally one catch extra to Dalton Schultz than what we're projecting. And all of a sudden this guy is tight end 11. So I'm not telling you not to play Dalton Schultz, even though we haven't ranked a, tw- a tight end 20. Be very clear about that. Now, do I need to see it? Does he come in tight end 20 because he's coming a little bit lower than those guys because he doesn't have the track record? Yeah, 100%. We only saw it for one game. Now, it was impressive. And a game in which they had to throw the ball a ton, a game in which they had to come back, Dalton Schultz was the lead targeted guy for all the Cowboy pass catchers. I'm willing to bet that that does not happen again at any point this season. That's what I'm willing to bet. It doesn't mean he's not going to be heavily involved. It doesn't mean he's not going to get six to seven targets. If this offense has shown you anything, if Prescott has shown you anything, is that he, if he has a tight end that he feels like he can throw the ball to, he likes to do it. Even with all those great weapons on the outside. And Schultz showed me last week that he definitely has the athletic ability that you're looking for to be a consistent producer as a pass catcher. So he's definitely somebody who can be streamed and played depending on what your situation is. There's just a lot of tight ends that we like this week. On the Seattle side of the ball, Wilson, number one guy. Chris Carson, number 15, solid RB2. 
We saw last week that he's getting closer. He's still not quite there yet, but he's closer to being back in game shape, which is why he wasn't as involved week one. That's why Carlos Hyde wound up getting, you know, one extra carry than he did in week one. I told everybody, do not sell low, even though Chris Carson had two touchdowns. I don't know how low you were selling, but people were talking about, should I be selling off Chris Carson? Because they were like panicking. Carlos Hyde was going to be a thing after week one. No, this is a guy who missed a lot of training camp due to some off the field issues. He wasn't injured. He was having some problems at home. So he wasn't, he missed a lot of training camp. He just wasn't quite in game shape yet. And even last week he took over the overwhelming majority of the touches, but he still didn't look quite like Chris Carson. Who's getting stronger at the end of the game. Who's ready to run over the defense and play another two quarters when everybody else looks like they're ready to tap out. That's what Chris Carson is at his best. He still wasn't even quite there last week, but he already took over the majority of the work. I'm not worried about it moving forward. This is a guy who's going to be a very high-end RB2, if not a low-end RB1, if he can actually stay healthy for 16 games this year moving forward. So you don't have anything to worry about Chris Carson. We talked about you know the Chargers and how it's very rare to have two running backs that you can play on a team. Well, Seattle is that team that's very rare that you can play two wide receivers and expect wide receiver one value out of both. And that's what we have this week. We have Tyler Lockett ranked at wide receiver six. We have DK Metcalf ranked at wide receiver eight. Again, this feeds into the idea that this is lining up to be a shootout game. Number one. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf impressed the hell out of me in that Sunday night game with the Patriots. DK Metcalf was matched up on Stephon Gilmore and still had a big game. He is too much of an athletic mismatch. There's nobody in the league who can truly, from an athletic standpoint, be able to cover DK Metcalf. They might be able to get him from their veteran savvy fundamentals. You might be able to still get him because he's still raw developing on his, on his route running capabilities. But you can't jam him, and you can't stay with him when he's running past you. And you can't jump with him. He is athletically, I think athletically, he's just more dominant. He could be more dominant than any other wide receiver in the NFL from a pure athletic standpoint. He still has a way to go in his route running. He still drops easy passes here and there. But man, you can't, you can't stand with him. And with Tyler Lockett being the safety blanket with his playmaking abilities and his speed burst in this offense and his trust with Russell Wilson, he's a guy who's always going to have a high floor. We haven't even seen him get targeted deep down the field and getting taken shots too. That's going to come too. And I'm willing to bet it's going to come this week. Love Tyler Lockett. Love DK Metcalf in this matchup. Love them both. I'm just not... So the, when it comes to Seattle, I mean, the only position on their team that I'm not playing, I'm just not playing the tight end. They're just tight ends just not as involved. I mean, first of all, Russell Wilson's not cooking, quote-unquote, from you know everybody out there like, let Russell Wilson cook. First of all, I hate, I hate that anyway because it's, it's just a stupid notion. Because if you think... Brian Schottenheimer is ever going to become a guy who throws the ball 40 plus times a game. You don't pay attention to what Brian Schottenheimer has done throughout his career. So that's why I get annoyed by it. Like get a clue. Will they be balanced 
Will there be more games where he gets into the lower 30s on a more consistent basis as far as pass attempts go? Yeah. But because of that limitation, I think there's only enough room for Lockett, DK Metcalf, and then Chris Carson, the passing game, to really be able to eat on a consistent basis. I don't think, I think there are going to be games like we saw last week where Greg Olson in the tight end position as a whole is just going to get left out of the passing attack. It's just going to happen. So they're not must plays for me in this one. We're talking about Green Bay Packers. We're talking about New Orleans Saints. We're talking about the Sunday night matchup. Unfortunately, due to injuries, this isn't going to be the mat, the marquee matchup that it was supposed to be heading into the season. Unfortunately, it's still going to be a great game. It's still going to be two very good teams. But when I was talking about injuries, these are two teams that are hurting right now. Michael Thomas hasn't been officially ruled out yet. It's coming. We have zero expectation of Michael Thomas is going to play. Devontae Adams, on the other hand, he's a game-time decision. And I think I just got news that Devontae Adams isn't going to practice again today. He hasn't practiced all week. So he's, they still haven't ruled him out yet, but he's still very much a game-time decision. That's going to be a pain. Oh, my goodness, that's going to be a pain. Because now you have the Sunday night game. If they decide that they're going to wait until an hour before the game to actually rule Devontae Adams out, who you better have a backup plan. Now, that backup plan also goes hand-in-hand with if Adams doesn't play, who wants to play what receiver between Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I could put a number on it for you. I could rank them for you. But frankly, their value is the same. We have Alan Lazard ranked a little bit ahead of Marcus Valdez-Scantling, even though Scantling has outproduced him the last two weeks. But Alan Lazard's still playing ahead of him as far as the snap count goes. When they go to two receiver sets, Alan Lazard is still the second receiver out there. It's not Scantling out there. So we have Lazard ranked a spot ahead of Marcus Valdez-Scantling, just like we did last week. But really, their value is the same, which is they are both wide receiver threes. They're both wide receiver threes if Devontae Adams does not play. Now, if Adams does play, I think they fall back to being more high-end wide receiver fours. Because this is a tough Saints secondary. I know that the Raiders were able to move the ball really all because of Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs in the fourth quarter. And offensively, they played a much better game or were able to produce much better results than I expect them to be able to do so against that Saints defense. Now, the Saints defense was out in the field a lot in that matchup because the Saints offense kind of let them down. Drew Brees kind of let them down. Could that be the case again? Yeah, it could. But I know the Saints defense is very talented. It's not a matchup I necessarily want to try to attack. So unless Devontae Adams is out, I don't want to play Alan Zard or Marquez Valdez-Scantling at all. But they do have to become wide receiver threes, at least flex plays, if Adams is out. And if you are an owner of Devontae Adams, you need to own... I would say you need to own one of these two or at the very least somebody who's playing in the Sunday night game or somebody who's playing in the Monday night game because you're going to probably need a backup plan, unfortunately. Unless, you know, the Packers give the fantasy owners a gift and actually rule him out before the 1 o'clock games, but I don't know that's going to happen with this being the Sunday night game. So that's something you really have to watch. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at BellyUpMDFFShow because we're going to keep you up to date on that. Lazard, Scantling, wide receiver threes, if Adams does not play. 
it, also, if Adams does not play, this is going to become Aaron Jones's game. Now, again, this is a Saints defense that's very difficult to run on. But we did see Jacobs have success wearing them down in the fourth quarter. And frankly, I, I mean, even if Adams does play, they, they might already be game planning for this to be Aaron Jones, especially after the week he had last week. But also because even if Adams does play, he's going to be banged up. He's going to be limited. He hasn't been able to practice at all this week. He's going to be hindered by that hamstring if he's out there. He might even wind up being more of a decoy than anything else. So the game plan this week is going to have to be centered around Aaron Jones and what they're able to do through the running game, through the running backs. Because remember, this is a team that will pass it to the running backs a ton, especially when Adams isn't out there. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is the much play this week. He comes in at QB 11. So he's a, a borderline QB one, a borderline starter, but I don't think he has this, especially without Adams. I don't think he has the ceiling that you're usually looking for out of a QB one. So I don't think he's a must play. You can play him. I don't think he's a must play because he's still Aaron Rodgers the other day. So the only person I'm playing with confidence in this green Bay game is Aaron Jones. If Adams does play, I know I'm going to get this question a ton. So if Adams does play, what do we do then? It's a hard one because I think there's a very good chance, especially since he was not able to practice this week, that if Adams does play, there's a very good chance he winds up being a decoy. I think I'm probably heading in to week three with the idea that I'm just not going to have Devontae Adams in my lineup. I think that is the way you kind of have to approach this, unfortunately. It was kind of a swing, right? Because with Adams, he played most of the game last week. And the idea, the tone was that Adams had been taken out and not put back in the game more due to the fact that they were up by multiple scores and didn't have to when he was banged up with the injury. He wanted to get back in there. But then all of a sudden, he hasn't practiced at all this week. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that Devontae Adams has to practice in order to play. But if you're not even able to get a limited session in on Friday, that indicates to me that this is a injury that's seriously hampering you right now. It's not just something that they were cautionary with. It is a real deal to have to deal with. And being that this is a Green Bay Packer team that's trying fighting for the playoffs, I just I would be surprised if they didn't just play it cautiously with Devontae Adams to keep him out. But I'm going into this week with the idea that I'm not going to have Adams in my lineup. That's how I'm approaching this. So I would already have a backup plan before it even came down in the Sunday night game, if it was me. On the flip side, on the Saints, like I said, Michael Thomas, we do not expect him to play, period. Drew Brees, I don't know how you play him. He's our QB 15. I feel like that even might be too high. He looks like he has a noodle arm out there as well, along with Phil Rivers. But the thing about Drew Brees is that he was never a guy who was going to push the ball down the field in the first place. He was always the guy who was going to dink and dunk his way and be accurate, but he's not even accurate right now. And that's making it impossible to, to determine these other pass catchers outside of Michael Thomas. Emmanuel Sanders, he's not even a guy that you have to own. Now, my advice to you heading into this week was that I would still own him for at least one more week. He wouldn't become a complete drop to me. We're not, hitting, we're not sending him to flush town just yet because I got to see it this week. Remember, it's still a new team, still a new situation, still developing some chemistry there. I, got, I don't think Emmanuel Sanders has fallen off a cliff. He was still a receiver who was pretty productive for a Super Bowl team last year. 
but Traquan Smith looks like the lead guy. And if I have to choose between these two wide receivers, I'm going Traquan Smith all the way. Obviously, if you have a better choice, I would like to not play any of them. This is a decent Green Bay secondary at the very least. And right now, outside of Alvin Kamara catching the ball, I don't know if I could trust any of these other pass catchers. That includes Jared Cook. I mean, he's our tight end 13. He's somebody who's definitely a playable guy, but he comes out, of, out just outside of our tight end one territory. He, after not being able to take advantage of the Raiders matchup, I just question the entire passing game for the New Orleans Saints right now without Michael Thomas and where all the pieces fall and where Drew Brees is at in his career and what is he able to do? Is it going to get better? I hope so. But right now, if Drew Brees can't even be accurate the way he used to be. Some people have been talking about whether or not James Winston should take over. That might be a real problem. That might be a real thing. So we're going to get into the Monday night game. And this is, this is going to be the game of the week. Kansas State Chiefs, Baltimore Ravens, everyone's excited for it. There's only one injury to even talk about. That's the nice thing. Daryl Williams limited in this game. Or he's going to be limited. He was limited in practice, but he should be in this game. So Patrick Holmes, fire him up. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, fire him up. Tyreek Hill, fire him up. Travis Kelsey, fire him up. Obviously, across the board. You're playing all of them. Sammy Watkins is the other guy that we don't know yet. He's in concussion protocol. We will probably know something one way or another by Saturday or Sunday morning. Again, follow us on Twitter for those player news update notifications. If Watkins plays, again, he's more of a high-end wide receiver four. Now, he might shock us like he did in week one, and he still has that capability of being a guy who could be the lead target or at least being right there in the mix with those other guys. But especially since he's going through concussion protocol, I got to believe you're going into your week three matchups figuring that you're probably not going to play this team. You're probably not going to play Sammy Watkins, I should say. So on the Baltimore Ravens side of the ball, again, it's kind of, you know, chalk, right? You're going to play Lamar Jackson. You're going to play Marquise Brown because he's the big field threat. And you're going to play Mark Andrews. What do you do about Mark Ingram? He comes in as RB30 for us. So I think he's somebody you can consider in your flex territory. But I got a little bit, mm, little bit of a question. A little bit of a question when it comes to Mark Ingram. He's not a must play. He's a touchdown dependent RB2. Now, my hope is that the Ravens, who frankly have toyed with the Cleveland Browns, have toyed with the Houston Texans, are going to be able, or not going to be able, but are actually going to show their full deck of cards this week. And I think that's where we're really going to find out where this rotation at the running back truly is. When the chips are down and they got a game that they feel like they need to go all out to win, What's that rotation going to be? I think this game is going to indicate to us exactly what the value for Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins are truly going to be moving forward. If it's still a three-way committee, then I think you got to move on. We have to go to a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we'll quickly go through the updated injuries and we'll quickly go through the mailbag segment for you guys. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back on the Worldwide Sports Network, WWSRN, the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and I am your host, Dan Mater. So before we close out the show, I do want to get to the mailbag segment. And the, today's mailbag segment, I want to tell you guys, is presented by Manscaped. If you want the best performance for your nether regions, Manscaped is the place for you. They have all the ball care you could ever need like high quality trimmers for unwanted hair or ball toner that will leave you smelling fresh all day long. 
So go to manscaped.com and use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off your purchase. Your balls will thank you. And hopefully, these guys asking me these questions will thank me come Monday morning or come Tuesday after they won their matchups as well, too. So we got three questions for you real quick. Again, remember, if you want to get on the mailbag segment, all you have to do is contact us through social media at Show for Twitter or Facebook. You can email us, mdsfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Or you can call the MD Nation hotline anytime, day or night, 609-362-2480. Leave your voicemail, leave your comment, your rant, your question, and we'll put it on there and we'll talk about it. And of course, even if you don't get on the mailbag segment, I'm going to be here to help you guys out through all throughout the week as well anyway. So first up, we got Jason from Facebook. He asked me, should I drop Latavius Murray for Cam Akers? It's a tough one. I had to think about this one for a little bit because Latavius Murray, we see that he's a guy that, even though last week didn't maybe go as well because of the game script, he is a guy that week one had 15 carries. He is a guy that even though Alvin Kamara's lead back, he's still very much involved. And we also saw last year what happens if Alvin Kamara gets injured and gets out. What happens then? Latavius Murray comes in, he takes over, and he becomes an RB1. So he's a really valuable player. He didn't now. Jason here, he did not mention whether or not he was the Alvin Kamara owner. I'm going to assume no if he's contemplating dropping him. Cam Akers, it doesn't look like he's going to play this week. Even if he does, this is a three-way committee. I do believe that Akers is the one guy who has the best chance to become the lead guy at some point this season. He has the best chance to take over this backfield. I just really seriously question, have questioned all season long, if that's truly going to be this year that happens and not you know next year. Dale Henderson looked pretty good when he was able to get involved this past week. And again, like I said, we don't even know when Cam Akers is coming back. So for this week, if Cam Akers is somebody who's on the waiver wire for you, which is something that's kind of rare to begin with, I'm probably going to stay pat. And I'm probably going to hold on to Latavius Murray for at least one more week because the Cam Akers I don't believe is going to play anyway. So he should probably still be there for you if he's there now. Next up, I got a trade from Drake from Twitter. He asked me, it's funny, Drake from Twitter asked me, should he trade Drake and Allen Robinson and Dallas Goddard? For Jonathan Taylor and Devontae Adams. Yes, yes, a million times yes. And can I please be in your league? You're in a league where people are actually offering you that deal at a wide receiver one and an RB1. For Kenyon Drake, who can be considered an RB1 now with some of the injuries moving forward. But Allen Robinson, who is a low-end wide receiver two that you can't trust his consistency because you can't trust the quarterback play there. And Dallas Goddard, who might be the odd man left out when Alshon Jeffrey comes back and is the tight end two on his own team. Jonathan Taylor, Devontae Adams, yes. A million times yes. I don't think I have to spend that much more on that trade. I just, let me be in your league next year. Take advantage of that all day, every day. Bartholomew from Twitter, he asked me, do I drop Evan Ingram for Hayden Hurst? Our answer to this is yes. Hayden Hurst comes in as our tight end three this week. If Julio Jones does not play and he's a game-time decision, Hayden Hurst is going to be involved in this passing game quite a bit. Again, Matt Ryan likes to go to his tight ends in the end zone. He did get involved last week after not being kind of being out-targeted there, mostly by Russell Gage in week one. There are better days ahead for Hayden Hurst. He's going to be in the end zone. He's going to be featured. So, yes, we definitely love Hayden Hurst. We would drop him. Next up, uh, last question we're going to talk about, Misty. She asked me, Stafford or Big Ben? Big Ben. We talked about Stafford a lot already. Hands down, you go with Big Ben this week. Before we close out the show, I want to go through these injury updates for you real quickly. A.J. Brown not practicing. Josh Jacobs 
Uh, AJ Brown not practicing, not expected to play. Josh Jacobs is not practicing today with the hip issue. We do expect him to be able to go. They're just kind of playing a little bit more cautious. He got a little bit nicked up towards the end of that Monday night game. Henry Ruggs has been downgraded today. He was a full practice. Now he's a limited participant in practice. He's got listed with a hamstring and the knee. That's something we're going to have to watch. He may not be available. Darren Waller did not practice today. Uh, did not practice yesterday, excuse me, but uh, is expected more of a rest day than anything than being an injury. He had a knee issue. Jimmy Garoppolo was, is expected to be out. Nick Mullins will be the starter. George Kittle is going to be a game time decision. Remember, if he cannot go, Jordan Reed is definitely somebody that we believe that you can stream. Julio Jones did not practice. He's going to be a game time decision. I would plan on not having Julio Jones this week if you're trying to set your lineups on Sunday. We talked about Devontae Adams. He didn't play. He's going to be game time decision. I would make other roster adjustments when it comes to Devontae Adams as well. Malcolm Brown coming off of that pinky injury. He is good to go. Cam Akers, he is not trending in the right direction. Just talked about him from the mailbag segment there. Uh, we don't expect him to play this week. Michael Thomas is not going to play this week. And last but not least, these are all the injuries from we talked about in yesterday's game, by the way. Last but not least, Nikhil Harry was limited in practice the past two days. He's expected to be fine. He's expected to play. That's going to be it for this show, for the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We are going to be back on Thursday from 12 to one thirty. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, we will have episodes coming out on Monday and Tuesday. However, that will be pre-recorded and available to you on the Worldwide Sports Network under the podcast tabs and anywhere on your favorite podcast app. But make sure you're downloading the Worldwide Sports Radio Network app on Android or WWSRN on iOS. That's going to be it for me. We're going to see you guys all real soon. Good luck on your matches. And remember to hit me up on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow, and I'm going to help you guys out this particular week. So everyone take care. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 